0: sometimes when people appropriate their identity in Christ, that victory is very dramatic. A man came to Grace Fellowship when it was in Denver many years ago, and his presenting problem was that he was chronically afraid of getting on an airplane, and yet he had relatives in Holland. So he would want to fly from California to Holland, and he would be determined to get on the plane, his luggage would go on board, he would start to go in the plane, and then he'd turn around and run off, and his luggage would go over, and he stayed in California. Uh, That was before the security measures, I guess. Well, eventually he was determined to solve this problem and uh, drove to Denver. And uh, God met him in a very special way in the counseling. And through his appropriation of his oneness with Christ, God gave him such a victory that he said he would be able to not only fly home to California, but fly home on the wing of the plane. He had so much victory over his chronic fear. So sometimes victory can be that dramatic. Other times, however, we may have a breakthrough, but shortly after that, we may have what Dr. Salman calls a downer. We may have a a recurrence of besetting sins and discouragement, emotional hangups from the past. So in this lesson, what we want to explore is the nature of our victory in Christ. Unpack that a little bit more. And then uh, lesson number seven, we'll look at some of the the practicalities of uh, faith and the role of the will in maintaining that victory day by day. So as we uh, launch into this lesson, we want to ask the question, what kind of things do you and I typically need victory over? Sometimes our problems are primarily internal. Maybe it would be pride or unforgiveness. Uh, Maybe it would be jealousy or lust. Maybe it would be uh, anger, various things like that. Other times, uh, our battles seem to be primarily external. Perhaps it would be swearing or stealing or uh, bulimia or anorexia, eating disorder, or pornography or sexual immorality. So whether it's primarily internal or external problems, we know that um, the root issue is are we experiencing the victory that only Christ can give? The nature of the victory that God wants us to experience is based on grace and it's based in a person. We're not talking primarily about a technique or a formula what we want to discover in lesson six is that victory is in a person. So having studied previously our oneness with Christ and his death, burial, resurrection and ascension, we're going to see that our practical victory day by day is involving our appropriating Him on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. In Ephesians chapter one, we read in Paul's prayer that God wants us to grasp and fully comprehend that we have a wonderful, victorious hope in Christ that the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, and also that this very Lord Jesus that we're united with has been seated in heavenly places far above all principality and power and dominion and might. So since you and I in Christ are seated with him in heavenly places, friends, that is the basis for our victory over besetting sins, over strongholds, over wasted living. And the Lord wants us to appreciate that this victory is in fellowship in participating in Christ's victory moment by moment and day by day in Romans chapter 8 the end of the chapter we have that wonderful passage that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus and tucked into that passage is this wonderful verse about our victory in Christ it says yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us wow isn't that awesome You know, many times when people come for counseling or we're discipling them, we hear about the pain and the defeat and the heartache in their past. Perhaps they've been a victim of physical or sexual abuse. Perhaps they've been abandoned. They've had drug addictions and other uh, painful experiences in their past. And yet it's amazing that God wants us um, to experience his victory. You know, many times people think, if I can just be a survivor, if I can just live, with the consequences of what I've been through. That would be a worthy goal. Well, certainly being a survivor is commendable. But the verse that we just read says, God wants us to be more than survivors. He wants us to be victors. What's the difference? Well, a survivor is someone who just gets by and somehow manages to live with the consequences of their past. But someone who's experiencing victory discovers that God has given us the resources and freedom in Christ To experience his sufficiency, his peace, his freedom, in spite of what has happened to us. And the Bible says that that is the victory he has given us. Or if we look closer, it actually is a step better, isn't it? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You think more than a conqueror? What's better than being a conqueror? Well, a conqueror is able to have victory over what has happened in their life or what is facing them in terms of their, their difficulties in life. But someone who's more than a conqueror can not only experience god's resources and freedom and healing but has the potential of passing that victory on to help others isn't that what scripture says when the bible says we are to comfort others with the comfort we have received from god friends this victory we're talking about is a more than a conqueror kind of victory well we know that has to be supernatural and it is it's based upon god's grace and therefore he receives all the glory. Let's also look at another verse. This will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57. And in this passage in 1 Corinthians we're learning about the resurrection of Christ and because Christ triumphantly bodily rose from the grave and conquered death, we can have that victory through abiding in him. And so in 1 Corinthians 15 again the Lord gets the glory, he gets the thanks. And verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says, Thanks be to God. That indicates that it comes from Him. And also it says that He gives us the victory. That implies that it is by grace, not by achievement. It's a gift not based upon our works. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And who is that victory found in? Through our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, the one who is the victor, the one who has conquered sin in the grave, the one who was raised and ascended, the one who lives in us spiritually as believers is the one who gives us the victory day by day. No wonder we can talk about being more than a conqueror through him who loved us. So this victory is abundant. This victory is gracious. Let's also look at another passage in John chapter 8 verses 32 to 36, we see that this victory is liberating. This liberation is based upon the truth that Jesus gives us in his word. Remember the passage of well-known quote where our Lord says, you shall know the truth and what will happen. The truth will set you free. So this victory is liberating in that if deception binds us, then knowing truth will set us free. And then he goes on to say, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And so, friends, as we talk about victory in Christ, we know that this is a true and lasting freedom because it's based upon the victory that Christ himself has won. The victory is in a person, not in a plan. It's based on grace. It's not based on our works. So it's a liberating victory, isn't it? Now, as we reflect on things that have held us back, that have tripped us up over the years, I think we would admit that we need freedom. And anytime there is a, a sin pattern, a besetting Uh, transgression in our lives we can trace it back to an issue of deception because if truth sets us free deception would bind us and the great deceiver is Satan isn't he and so the Bible says that as we receive the truth and this whole course has been based on an exploration of the truth of the new covenant the more truth we can believe and appropriate the more freedom we indeed will have in Romans chapter 6 we've studied this passage earlier we see that this victory is based upon knowing that our old man was crucified with Christ. And this revelational knowledge indicates that our victory is over the authority of sin. In other words, we might ask the question, how can I be victorious over sin? what's the nature of this victory if the Bible says that I can't be sinless in this life? Um temptation is still strong I'm still going to mess up sometimes right so if that's the case what what does it really mean when it says that we are free from sin Romans 6 6 knowing this that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin two or three more times in Romans 6 it clearly states you were a slave of sin before you were saved now we're actually called a slave of righteousness very radical. It's a done deal. It's something that has happened. Well, again, if we are free from sin and yet we're not perfect, that we're still subject to temptation and failures, how is it that we are free? Friends, the key issue is that we are freed from sin's authority. For example, let's say you're working at a place, a store. You find out that uh, actually you're selling black market goods and you have a a boss who's really mean and grouchy and makes your life miserable. You just dread going to work. And then finally, you're able to get employed at another business across the street, and it's called Goodwill. And so you work for Goodwill, and you have a great boss, uh, wonderful to work for. You're able to use your talents and gifts. You just love going to work. And yet, every once in a while, as you go to work, you look across the street, and you see the old place of employment. You might even see the old boss walking in into the office and he looks at you and he shakes his fist and inside you might think oh oh." well the old boss is still around but he still he has no authority over you anymore do you catch that because you are under a new employment you have new freedom and so although sin is still around also although temptation is still our experience we are not under the authority of sin just like you would not be under the authority of that old boss any longer so friends, when we understand the nature of our freedom from sin's authority, then we can not just pretend, but we can reckon true that we really are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We'll explore that a bit more in the next lesson. We're also free, as we go through the study, seeing that we're free from condemnation. You know what it's like to, to just feel that sense of guilt and shame and condemnation, like, like Pilgrim and Pilgrim's Progress with that weight on our back Well, Romans 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What a blessing to know that because we're in Christ and He is in us, that we are not only fully pardoned, but His righteousness has been credited to our account. There is no condemnation. Now, if and when we sin, the Holy Spirit will convict us, just like our nerves will tell us if we're touching something that will burn us, and that's a healthy thing. So there's a there's legitimate conviction for, for real sin, but it's going to be remedial, it's going to be constructive. But that sense of, of condemnation, of accusation, uh, doesn't come from the Lord, because it says in Revelation chapter 12 that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So we need to appropriate our total pardon. We need to celebrate that we are free from condemnation. Amen? So freedom and victory has all these different facets. And we're just exploring a few of these in these lessons. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is another wonderful passage about the nature of our victory. And here, the Apostle Paul, who certainly knew what it was like to have trials and tribulations and difficulties, describes how through this very truth that you and I are studying about Christ living within us and expressing his life through us, that we can have victory in spite of the obstacles, trials, and difficulties that face us in life. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You can just picture the imagery here, can't you? A triumphal procession, such as in the Roman era when Paul was living, that the victorious army would come back into Rome leading in, in the, uh, the trail. Those who were chained who had been defeated in battle. And Paul says, we are in this victory parade. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The world, the flesh, and the devil have been subjugated, and now we can appropriate the freedom and victory which is ours in Christ. Thanks be to God who always leads us in this triumphal procession. Well, if we keep our eyes on Christ, if we abide in him, then that victory can continue day by day for his honor and glory. In Romans chapter six, remember we've talked about our co-crucifixion and co-resurrection. Well, it gets to our personal responsibility when we get to Romans chapter six verse eleven. We've talked about the need to reckon true our oneness with Christ, and I compared that to cashing a check. If you remember, to personally appropriating your co-death and co-burial with Christ, that the new you is raised with Him, sharing His power and seated with Christ in heavenly places, sharing His authority. Over our spiritual enemies well Romans goes on to say though that you and I have an ongoing privilege and responsibility to walk in this victorious procession and Paul goes on to say it this way do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So what is it saying here in terms of our responsibility? It's saying that having claimed by faith your oneness with Christ, on a daily basis, what do you need to do? Present your faculties to God. We basically say, Lord, here is my mind, here are my eyes, here is my faculty of speech, my hand, my feet, everything about me. Lord, use me as an instrument of righteousness. And as we do that, friends, he lives his life in us and through us instead of us. But you know, we do have a choice, don't we? We can uh, present our members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, which would be the opposite of victory. It would be defeat. And then God would not be glorified. The enemy would, uh, enemy's cause would be advanced, and that's certainly not what we want. So we want to appropriate the victory, which is ours in Christ. I remember um, one time, seeing someone get a a black sedan. And I couldn't help but think, it looks kind of like a mafia getaway car. Um, Well, a black sedan uh, can be used as a getaway car for a robbery, or it can be used as a limousine to to take the visiting preacher from the airport to church. So just like a a vehicle can be an instrument uh, to carry out a crime or to carry out uh, God's purposes, so your body and mind, our faculties can either be an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, which we don't want, or an instrument of righteousness. Friend, the choice is ours. We need to say, Lord, live your life through me. I give myself to you. I present my members to you as instruments of righteousness. So friends, as we do that, that victory, which is given by grace, becomes ours in an experience moment by moment, day by day. You know, the Corinthians really had a tough time living out this victory because their culture in Corinth was just so saturated by immorality that their city had a reputation of being uh, ungodly and immoral. So when Paul was reasoning with them about uh, walking out their victory in Christ, he used this terminology in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He reminded them of a temple. And a temple may be kind of an ordinary structure, but what counts is... Uh, the spiritual presence in that temple and the purpose of that temple. And so he says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we read in verse 17, the one who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's our identification with Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So friends, since we have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, we do not belong to ourselves. The world is going to say, do your own thing. Please yourself. Whatever you want to do, do it. That's not God's way. We have been purchased by him. We are to live for his honor and glory, which is the only purpose really worth living. Only that purpose has eternal significance. And so here we see that because we're bought with the price, we want God to be glorified in this, as one teacher called it, our earth suit, you know, this body that we wear, that we would be an expression of his victory day by day. When I think of victory, I think of a a present I got a couple months ago. This is a swimming medal from the YMCA National Championships. And this swimming medal was won by Bonnie, who has come to the Grace Fellowship training events. And Bonnie gave several of us medals that she has won. She's won many medals over the years in international swimming competitions. She came to the Grace Fellowship training. She had experienced victory in Christ through personal counseling. And to express her gratitude, she gave us these medals. We were quite humbled. It's the only swimming medal I have. And it wasn't received because of any accomplishment on my part. It was a gift from Bonnie to us. In the same way, friend, the victory that you have in Christ is not something you can earn. It's not based on your performance. It's based on the performance of another, on the achievements of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the victor, and who offers us his victory as a gift as we abide in Christ day by day. It was in November 2010 that we were having a Grace Fellowship workshop, and in the midst of that, I got a very serious phone call that my father had been in a near-fatal car accident in Atlanta, Georgia. He was in the hospital, totally paralyzed. Well, our group went to prayer and asked God to spare his life and see him through. The pastoral couple that was in our group from the Atlanta area said, you know, we have someone in our church who was a nurse at that very hospital in Atlanta. We're going to pray uh, and notify her of your father's situation. Well, as time went by, and as I visited him uh, with my, my uh, sisters and brother in the hospital, I realized uh, that his situation was very serious. Um, and yet, by God's grace, he uh, was making it through. He actually was able to receive surgery by one of the best surgeons uh, in the Southeast to, uh, to repair the damage to his neck. He was then given the opportunity to go to Shepherd Clinic uh, famous clinic there in the Atlanta area for rehabilitation. By God's amazing grace, in about a month, my father was walking again, and after a month of outpatient therapy, he was doing even better. Well, he's an accountant by trade, and after a couple of months further, he was able to drive again. He went back to one of his clients, and as they uh, saw him come in to return uh, to do their bookkeeping, they stood and gave him a standing ovation because of the amazing progress he had made. Well, as I talked to the pastoral couple who had uh, the nurse in their church, I found out that she heard about my dad's uh, injury, and she said, I was in John Woodward Sr.'s operating room when he went in for surgery. Isn't it amazing, God's providence, and how he answers prayer and uh, works things out. So just as my father had that, that crisis and went from being paralyzed to being able to walk again, so friends, you and I are called to experience a kind of a supernatural ability to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6 says, because of our oneness with Christ, then we are to walk a new quality of life. We're no longer under the authority of sin. Now we are free to live according to our redeemed purpose because of who lives in us and who wants to live through us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So I trust as we've gone through this lesson, there's a new sense of optimism in your heart, a new sense of encouragement to know that God really has set you free from sin's authority. You're no longer employed by Mr. Sin, we might say. You're employed by Mr. Grace. You're under his economy, and he wants what's best for you. So as we yield to him and trust him to live through us, we can experience this victory not as a formula, but by faith. Not based on performance, but based on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I was thinking about my father's testimony, it reminded me that his favorite song is Victory in Jesus. And the chorus of that familiar hymn says, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Are you encouraged today of the victory that you have in Christ Let's walk in his triumphal procession and give glory to him in every place. God bless you. you
1: know, I we don't have pictures in Jesus in this hymn book, do we? Um, are you catching what he's saying? Can you turn back on? on, Are you catching what he's saying here? Let me just give it to you briefly, right? Here's the way you're going to live your Christian life, right? Either you're going to live in victory, like he's talking about there, or you're going to try your best to get it right. Now, when you try your best to get it right, one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to give up because it's impossible, Right? Or what you're going to do is you're going to make it possible for the flesh. In other words, you're going to bring your Christianity down to a level that you're comfortable with. But that's not what God intended for you. God intended you to have victory over sin. I'm going to use a word, and I'll back it up. It's an effortless victory because it's his supernatural power. It's not your effort that does it. It's his supernatural power. You have to yield to it. That's your part. When you got saved, God offered you salvation, and you said, yes, please, I need that. And that's all you did, yeah? When God's work of sanctification in your life is the same way, as he have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? By faith. So walk ye in him. Every day there's going to be choices you have to make. And when you make the choice by faith, his power steps in to enable you to have victory over sin. This is powerful stuff. Let God get a hold of you with it. Pray about it. You know, uh, take the sheet with you. Go through Romans chapter 6. Pray your way through it. Ask God to open it up to you. And there's victory there. You can live a supernatural life because that's what God bought for you. All right. Um, Any questions that I can help you with? Well, look, let me encourage you. right. Uh, go after this. Don't 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 let this be something that just kind of you heard about on a Wednesday night and you didn't bother to chase down. Chase it down. The spirit of God will help you. And you can live a Christian life that's up there. Because that's what Jesus bought for you. Now, what would that mean? That means you could overcome your crabbiness, you could overcome your moaning, you could overcome your lying, you could overcome addiction, you could you could overcome everything. You could live totally different because of what Christ has done for you. It's all in the package.